Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. And on today's episode, I am joined by my friend, Mike Pryor, the president of Financial Planning Ministry. Financial Planning Ministry is a ministry that funds other ministries by educating families and facilitating generosity through plan giving. And we're going to dive into that some more. But Mike, it's such a pleasure to have you on this podcast. And uh, thank you for taking the time. Pleasure is mine, Leo. Thank you. Thank awesome. you for the invitation. Yes, of course. Uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Uh, plan giving is such an important topic, especially today, and uh, you're an expert in this area, so I'd love for you to share everything you know about it uh, so that our audience would uh, benefit from both your many years of experience and also, of course, serving in this role for so many years. But tell us about FBM. What's the history? How did it come about? Why does it exist? <laughs> well, it actually is an interesting story. I, I think it, at least interesting to me, but uh, it, it started over 30 years ago, and it was an idea that was hatched by uh, five church uh, and parachurch ministries in Southern California back in the 80s. They had uh, kind of dreamed together about uh, how they could bring uh, the, the topic of stewardship and uh, estate planning and the importance of having uh, a will or a trust to their members, to their donors, to the, the greater Christian church community. And, um, and back in those days, uh, you know, every organization was uh, wanting to get a chance to talk to a potential donor. Uh, and and these, uh, these five ministries uh, back then, it was a college, a camp, an evangelistic association, a retirement community, uh, and a church lending organization. It was quite an eclectic group. Hmm. But they would meet for coffee uh, regularly, and they'd just talk about what was going on, and they had this dream of being able to do this. Um, and they actually started into the process, and the original idea is it would just be something local, uh, that they would work with churches around the Southern California area. And um, around the mid-90s, uh, there was a confluence of things that occurred. The church that I was uh, an executive pastor at Central Christian in Mesa, Arizona, uh, offered me a sabbatical. And I wasn't sure if they were trying to get rid of me or what. But mm -hmm. the idea, this is something they offer to the staff, and that is to uh, go out and advance their education. And I took that opportunity uh, to go back to law school. And uh, so during that process, I became acquainted with these gentlemen in the Southern California area, this ministry, and they were looking for somebody to uh, take this, this uh, project on, this organization. They were looking for somebody that had ministry background experience uh, and uh, legal experience. And uh, my understanding is there were three of us in the country and the other two guys didn't answer the phone. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> I was actually very happy in, in Arizona and the ministry that is there. That ministry has uh, 
now over the years is now uh, quite quite admirably uh, led in the stewardship area by uh, uh, Mr. Dave Briggs, which mm -hmm. if you're involved with CSN, you know about him. So he's really advanced the project there. But I ended up coming to Southern California to do this, went to school here and uh, then uh, began with FPM. So it was originally designed to be a local uh, project, uh, just essentially for the five ministries and an in-house kind of a thing. But uh, after a few years, we started uh, getting contacts from other states, churches in uh, Arizona, Nevada, Oregon. They were hearing that there was a, a group, uh, a nonprofit ministry that was doing uh, educational seminars in the area of uh, wills and trusts, powers of attorney, estate planning uh, basics, and uh, encouraging good stewardship by avoiding probate, which is one of the key elements of having an estate plan. Mm -hmm. And uh, that we were also uh, able to not only talk talk the talk, but walk the talk as well. We developed the ability to actually create these documents originally in California, but as we were invited by uh, other organizations and other states uh, to be state specific and county specific. And now some 30 years later, we're, we're uh, we say we're in 48 of 50 states. Uh, we don't have a partner in Louisiana yet uh, or New Hampshire. So if you're listening, uh, give us a call. But, uh, that's kind of how, that's kind of how it started. And it has grown, uh, you know, it, I'll say it's been blessed, certainly, uh, much more than, uh, the growth that we originally anticipated. Uh, today we have that five original partners has grown to, uh, over a hundred. Mm. And in our documents, we've, we've helped 32,000 families to establish their estate plan. We've actually talked to more than 32,000, but those are the families that asked us to assist them. And we continue to maintain those documents. So we, we call them members, uh, even though they attend uh, the local churches around the country. And we continue to take care of them and, and update those documents as necessary. So it's been yeah. very exciting to be a part of it. So how long has FPM uh, has been in existence? When was its official start? Well, it was kind of a, you start, you crawl, then you walk, and then you run. Mm -hmm. And uh, originally, it was back in the early 80s that wow. uh, the local organizations began to talk amongst one another about mm -hmm. uh, what they might want to do and how they could do it. And there were some, uh, there were some initial uh uh, ventures out into the area, nothing formal. Uh, they'd go out and they'd talk to local uh, church groups, et cetera. And I think in the, in the original day, they were recommending, uh, you know, name a certain charity in your will. And, uh, but over time, what we were able to bring to this was the, uh, the benefits of using a document known as a living trust to avoid uh, probate. And these are topics that, that many people, particularly back then, were not familiar with mm. and no idea what was going to be involved with having to go through the court process of probate or even if you created a will, that wouldn't keep you out of probate. So part of our process, in fact, a key part of our process is to educate, educate our, our families, our members about the importance of having uh, this type of estate plan. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
and then being able to put it together for them. We're, we're very results oriented. There, there are many people uh, that are out there that will talk to you about the importance of having an estate plan, but then they'll tell you to go someplace else to get it done. And we wanted to take care of all of that because our goal was to help a family actually have the estate plan established. But then also those who uh, wanted to be charitable and we find most people do, we wanna make sure that that charitable gift gets to the charity that they have loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. So you said that you got involved, you, you're the one who answered the call. Um, so you're there because of that. But what kept you at, at FPM as the president now for 25 plus years, if, I, if I'm correct about that, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've been there a long time. What has kept you there? What's, what's Mike's desire for FPM and why are you so adamant about being part of this organization and doing what you do? Well, you know, there's probably a number of, of spokes to that wheel that I could speak to. But uh, coming into this when I did, uh, you know, uh, in, the, in the earlier 90s, uh, at the time I was the only person on the team and I quickly started to see that I was gonna need help. And so I brought more people in. I was able to convince them that this was a worthwhile thing and, uh, you know, it has just continued to grow from there. Mm -hmm. And uh, now, uh, of course, my hair, my hair, Leo, was as dark as yours when I started. And now if you were able to see me on this podcast, you'd probably say I'm looking more like Santa Claus these days. <laughs> but I have been asked, uh, you know, what, how long am I going to stay with FBM? And I, my response has always been, you know, I serve at the pleasure of our board of directors. We're a nonprofit. And uh, is, from their standpoint, I suppose, as long as I'm fulfilling the, the, the mission of mm -hmm. FBM, and from my standpoint, as long as the board continues to support my vision of what FBM can be, uh, this is a happy marriage. And yeah. uh, I've, been, I've been blessed uh, at, at the organization, not only with an amazing team. As, as I said, it started out, it was pretty much just me in the early 90s, and now we have a, a team of uh, over 30 mm. who are around the country that, that assist us. A great board of directors who are made up of uh, ministry leaders from around the country. And so uh, that's something else I'm actually very proud of, that uh, everything about FPM as a nonprofit is all about uh, benefiting the church and the parachurch and the ministries. We're bound by law as a nonprofit. Every dollar that comes into us has to be a part of a ministry purpose. And our governance and our board of directors who represent the partner ministries that we have, you know, help ensure that that's going to take place. Mm -hmm. I think that's what attracted me to FPM more than anything is the fact that it wasn't just a organization that provides a service but that it was a ministry, and it's ministry-minded, uh, very familiar with uh, who's on that team and the hearts behind uh, the work that's being accomplished. Let's let's dive into how how would you define estate planning? I know it for most people, just because we know the statistics, some of the things you'll share today of what estate planning is, why it's such a confusing topic for so many. Let's define what it is, what it isn't, and why why is this such an important topic for us, especially as believers that are focused on building God's kingdom? Because ministry and generosity is something we get to do through estate planning. But let's define it accurately as we get this conversation moving forward. 
Well, let me start with, <clears throat> there are really two avenues to consider, and that is what is, its, what is a state planning as far as the individual person is concerned? And then also, what is a state planning uh, as far as a, a ministry or a paraministry is concerned, and, and what are those applications? And I would say, let me, let me take first for the individual what it is and what it isn't. Um, let me say what it isn't. Uh, it isn't about planning uh, about your dollars because you're wealthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, estate planning is not all about the dollars. Uh, it's gotten that reputation because uh, for decades, uh, development departments uh, have, have uh, sought out the high net worth uh, donor, and that gives the, everything an aura of that it must be big money. Mm-hmm. But what, what actually estate planning is for the individual is, is uh, being able to responsibly uh, put together the, uh, the documentation, the legal framework that will protect you and your family, uh, particularly in times of, of, uh, of uh, adversity. Um, an estate plan, so to speak, includes uh, not just the the will or the living trust, which are popular documents, but uh, advent, what's called advanced healthcare directives that you lay out. What, what's important to you if your health suddenly had a downturn or you were incapacitated? Uh, in these documents, you, you lay out what your preferences are, how you want things handled if you can't represent yourself. And you also name parties who, who you trust, who you know love and care about you to give them the ability to talk to the medical community about uh, reinforcing what your preferences are. Also in these documents, uh, parents are gonna be able to name uh, guardians for their minor children. Every parent uh, plans to be there to see their children uh, grow beyond 18 years old and perhaps someday have their own children. We know that life circumstances sometimes rob us of that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, if you haven't taken the time to write down in a legal document who you would approve of to be the guardians to continue raising your children in your absence, the state that you live in will have to step in and make that decision for you. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they want to make a bad decision. It's just that with 60% of the population never getting around to write anything down, um, <laughs> you leave it up to the state and, and they don't know, uh, you know, how many sets of values make up the citizenry of the state that you live in. It's, it's an impossible task. It's, mm-hmm. it's not that they don't want to make a bad, they want to make a bad choice, um, but we need to help them out. So these are aspects of these documents. If you became incapacitated, uh, it, it's very likely that you would end up, you'd be taken before a court and others in your family would represent you, but there would be what's known as a conservatorship. It's also known as a living probate where the court will determine how to best protect you and your assets. Uh, you, can use a, you can use an approach in estate planning known as a living trust where you can avoid that court process and you simply name somebody in the document that takes over for you if you're incapacitated mm-hmm. and you skip that whole court process. So those are just some of the aspects uh, of estate planning for the individual. 
it's true that it can avoid probate, that it is also dollars. It can avoid federal estate taxes, but mostly it's about bringing a responsible plan to you and your estate and your assets that will protect you and your family. And then I'll just add, Leo, uh, on the organization side, the ministry side, when we're thinking about how we can help our families to uh, be able to express their full stewardship potential, there's probably no more, uh, you know, no more expansive opportunity for an individual to express the love uh, that they have for a ministry that they've supported for years, than to also include that ministry or ministries in their estate plan, their final distribution of their estate when they pass on. Mm-hmm. And we know that statistically only about 4% uh, of the population leave a gift to faith-based ministries in their estate plan. And, and yet most of the people that we see, and uh, we'll, we'll have over 300 seminars this year where we get to talk to church members and individuals, most of them say, well, you know, it, 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 it's a great idea to be able to continue to support ministry, even through our final estate plan. I just never thought about it, mm-hmm. never thought about doing that. And that's part of the essence of what we're doing. We're educating and then providing the opportunity for our, our members and our likely donors to leave a significant gift, a legacy gift in their estate that will continue to support that ministry that they've loved long, long beyond their lifetime. Well, I remember the first time I was introduced to FBM, and it was when I was on staff at a church as a stewardship pastor, and we were searching for an answer for this issue of estate planning. We felt like we were doing a good job of educating people how to manage their money from a biblical perspective. We were teaching just the basics of practical money management. We of course, taught the theology of finances and generosity and all of that. But when it came to the estate planning side, we felt like we, we weren't qualified to do it, one. And uh, two, we, we were pastors. That was not really our function. And we knew that we needed to serve our members in that way. We just didn't find the right organization to help us to, to take that on. Uh, and so we searched for years. Uh, I was on staff, I think, for a total of six or seven years prior to us actually pulling the trigger and doing this. And some of that was, it was confusing for our members, uh, but it was also confusing for our, our elders because we kept coming to them with different options and different ways that they could do it. We can, you know, we reached out to some of the attorneys in our congregation and said, would you be able to do this? And then we looked at the cost and the cost was just astronomical when it came to this. And as you know, Mike, I mean, one of the biggest hindrances for people is that they see this as an expense and it's one that's, it can be significant, especially if you're putting together a trust. And most people like to think that, hey, I've got plenty of time. So add the cost and add the, I've got plenty of time and people won't do it. So the financial side of it kept us from doing it as well, because we couldn't, couldn't get enough people to be interested to pay, you know, $1,500, $2,000, $2,500 for an estate plan. So when we came upon FPM, it was such a answer to prayer because we felt like this is a very cost-effective way because we felt responsible to a degree to equip our people, our the, you know our members with this. We were willing to pay for it to a degree, but we couldn't pay it fifteen hundred to two thousand per member. Now, when you have church of twenty thousand, <laughs> uh, would have been incredible for us to try to accomplish that. 
but there were so many other things in it. And when we came across FBM, it was such a, such a great model that we saw. And, and the, I think the most important thing for us was the fact that it wasn't just a service. You guys start with education. And I think that's very unique because you're not saying to people, trust us, we're just going to do this for you. Um, just you know, sign on the dotted line. You're actually taking people through a seminar. It's an hour and a half presentation with Q&A time where they can actually learn about it to the degree that they now know what they need to do. And it's much easier for them then to make the right choices as they're developing their plan. So I love the way you guys have designed that. Talk a little bit more about why, why should a church, why should a ministry take on that responsibility to serve their members in this way? From your perspective, why would you, how would you make that case? Well, you know, I would start uh, with the success that most of our churches have had over several decades in, in encouraging our, our members uh, in the area of personal finance and, and uh, debt retirement. You know, I, I remember going back uh, the first times that I heard about Crown Ministry uh, when that came in. And then, uh, of course, Ramsey, uh, who many, many churches now use. And, uh, you know, a number of the churches that we work with actually have developed their own then uh, financial counseling, uh, budgeting and counseling programs and uh, have found great success in just the basic concept of helping people to understand uh, that it's in their best interest not to spend more than they make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, of course, there are many ways that you can say that, but it, it is important because it, it is a burden when people get in debt. But uh, what we find is that that an, an estate planning, a, a plan giving or estate planning ministry then really takes it into the next level for individuals. And what it is, it's helping them introduce uh, to the idea that, well, there, there are situations that you want to protect for. You, you want to have documentation that tells the medical community how you want things handled. It might not seem to be an important thing right now when you're healthy, but uh, when, when you find out that you've got situations or maybe there's been some kind of an accident and you're unconscious, you, you want to know that the medical community knows what your preferences are. And that's part of the legal documentation uh, that is involved in this. Mm -hmm. And from, from a standpoint of having been in ministry for a number of years, even before I went back to law school, I just reflected on how many people had come to me in, in the life of the church uh, asking for some practical direction of, you know, they would say, gee, we don't, you know, we have kids, we don't even have a will, who do I talk to, where do I go, uh, can you find me somebody who is inexpensive, you know, we can't afford much. Uh, all of those things really come together and are, are a number of the elements of, uh, the way we approach this ministry we've we've done our best to remove the roadblocks because we think it's so important for people to have these documents that that our basic concept is um we will we will take care of the cost for you we'll do it all internally we'll prepare these documents we'll maintain them for your lifetime and we'll encourage you to leave a gift to ministry and it's those ministries that will benefit in the long run from having gifts designated to them uh, that will be paid back perhaps a hundredfold over time. 
but the point is, is that we're offering this up front to our members and, and our potential donors. And uh, we don't require a particular gift. We just encourage them to include ministry. And uh, we feel that this is a, a vital uh, additional step that goes beyond the budgetary process. And uh, we've had ministries that started in with us, the early ones uh, 30 years ago. Some of them have then been with us 25 years, 15 years. Usually ministries that start with this program, unless they had a financial calamity, uh, found that, that it's very good to just weave this into the fabric of their, their stewardship program to be able to continue to offer it uh, continually to their members. And I can tell you, we, we have thousands of uh, responses from church members who have participated and are grateful to the various ministries we work with who have provided this for them. So how does FBM then, let's go a little bit more granular. How does FBM come in and connect with a partner? How does it actually serve those members? What does that whole process look like? Well, the way that we connect with a partner actually is, is typically by word of mouth. Uh, as a, you know, we started 30 years ago as uh, this uh, small group of ministries in Southern California. Actually, we're all paraministries at the time. Hmm. And rather, uh, for the most part, modest-sized ministries. But over the years, uh, other organizations began to hear about what we were doing and checked us out. And and uh, now, like like your own uh, background experience, Leo, and in, in uh, the church you served, finding us, uh, we work with uh, a number of the largest churches in the country. It's not because that's our our goal, our target. Quite honestly, we're, we're the organization that does not seek out the high net worth donor. Hmm. Uh, we seek out the opportunity to help everybody in the pew, uh, everybody who uh, would like to support ministry. We'll help them set up their estate plan, no matter what value their estate size is. Hmm. I mean, we, we work with people who have a negative <laughs> net worth. Yeah. Um, and uh, we hope that uh, getting in planning will help them uh, to be able to get out of that situation. But uh, so we we just want to be able to help uh, the individual at the grassroots level to be able to be responsible, get their estate plan together. And uh, it isn't that we shy away from the large, uh, the high net worth giver. We've worked with estates uh, that are in the value of 20 and 30 million dollars. Uh, but uh, we're, we're mostly interested in helping people good, be good stewards, and, and, and that's really our goal. Definitely. A, uh, I've seen that over the years as I've connected and, and worked with you guys. So why do you think it would be beneficial for a ministry, a church, to consider estate planning for their members? Why do you think it's so important for them to do that? And one of the other things that I know was a concern for us at our church back then, and it still is today, which is to make sure that that people have the opportunity to do it, that the roadblocks are removed, which you guys have done. But there's also has to be some kind of a benefit to the church, right? Because the church is investing in people, but to the degree that they're investing, they have to see, they have, they want to see a return. Sometimes that return is strictly that they're serving people with a basic need. And that was the heart that we had. We weren't able to do that on our own, so we hired you guys to come in and do that for us. But our desire was to serve people first and foremost. 
But there was also another side to it, something that had more of a kingdom mindset, something down the road. So talk about that. How does estate planning help a ministry or a church not only help its members, but help its full-term outlook and legacy and vision for the future? When we do, uh, when we do our seminars, we explain wills, trusts, all these documents we're talking about. We let them know how important they are. And then at the end, we encourage them to use this information to make a decision about what is in the best interest of their family. And there's, there's no pressure on our part at all. There's nothing that we sell. There's no investments or insurance or, you know, other consulting things like that, that, that we're going to try to sell them. But we ask them to use this opportunity now that they, and often they tell us at the end of the seminar, you know, they'll say, I've sat through three of these by local attorneys or whatever, and I never really understood it. I now understand it. And that's been one of our primary goals is to boil all of this down to plain English. You know, mm -hmm. we're very proud of the fact that this is, we, we remove the mystery. It is, it is no longer complicated. But the, the thing that benefits the church from it, um, yes, certainly, Leo, the, the ministry aspect of it, uh, providing this for uh, your members. And I got I to gotta say, we just hear it over and over again, that church members just find it remarkable that their church is offering a service like this, complete service, all the documents that that they need, and then continue to maintain those documents for their lifetime, mm -hmm. and and don't expect a fee in return. Now, what we do instead is that we encourage people to use their estate plan uh, to support ministry uh, in their final distribution of their estate. And typically, what people will do uh, is uh, choose some percent of their estate. And they'll say, you know, well, gee, when I pass away, and if I'm married after my spouse and I have passed away, uh, as we're distributing our estate to our loved ones, we want to leave 5% or 10% or whatever percent they want to the ministry or ministries that they care about. And we've actually found over the years that uh, even when we're doing uh, a seminar in a particular church, we, we encourage people to leave their gifts to whomever uh, it is that that they are passionate about. Now, 95% of them are going to leave them to the church where they worship, their home church, of course. We find about 30% of the participants actually leave gifts to multiple ministries. So uh, that's an ex exciting thing, to be helping people uh, support ministries at large. But what ends up happening is when you're a church that has... Uh, uh, done this for a few years and and you know you have 100 300 500 we have churches that have over a thousand families who have now uh included in their estate plan gifts to those ministries mm -hmm. there's a tremendous future gift income stream uh, that is coming towards uh, those churches or paraministry organizations in the future you know, we, we just find statistically that uh, probably the average gift, people will leave commonly maybe 5%, maybe 10% of their estate. And the end, the average gift ends up being approximately $50,000 when you do the math, the percentages of what their estimated estate is. And consequently, we have, uh, we have ministries that are anticipating 
what we call gift expectancies uh, that we provide in a report for each one of those ministries of uh, 30 million, 50 million. We have a, we have an, uh, a popular, well-known ministry uh, here in Southern California who is probably within a year and a half of crossing over a hundred million dollars mm. in gift expectancies. And um, it won't end there, but I, but I do know this, that eventually as those, as those saints pass on that have been generous in their estate, those estates will be funding future ministry. And one of the things we make sure to tell uh, an organization when they contact us about this, and usually they're contacting us because they heard about us from some other ministry that works with us. One of the things that we go over with them is this isn't something you want to do if you're needing a current fundraiser. Mm-hmm. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you're having a difficult current ministry situation, this is not the best option because these gifts come in uh, down the road. They come in after the uh, donors have lived their lives and gone on to be with the Lord. And, but then these documents and the people that we work with primarily choose a living trust. We'll do any kind of document they want. We're happy to do a will if they request. But living trusts, when those are created and signed, uh, they're, they're executed in front of a notary. Uh, their, their assets are put in that trust. It's a very solid uh, document. And uh, very rarely are charities ever removed by the, uh, the donor, the grantor, as it's known in a trust. Very rarely uh, does that ever happen. So in, in some respects, from a ministry standpoint, what you're doing is not only helping your members to do what they need to have done, and they might have been intimidated in doing that, but in many respects, you're, you're kind of developing a, a future IRA or 401k program for your church ministry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you're going to invest in this during uh, the current lifetimes but in the future uh, those gifts will start coming in and uh, it helps to weather the storm when things like uh, you know our, our, our current uh, health crisis environment uh, mm-hmm. the, the viral environment comes around or an economic crisis whatever it may be when do ministries not have a way to use the extra support to, you know, accomplish their ministry, uh, their mission? Yeah, it's never it's never an issue of having too much money or too many resources. It's it's usually the opposite. And this is such a wonderful way to think about not just what's going on right now, what's going on in the next five, ten years of your ministry, but what's going to happen thirty years from now, fifty years from now, once the founder is gone on with the Lord, what happens to the next group of leaders, and what is that vision? Especially because there are some churches, I know the church that I've been part of for many years at Gateway Church in South Lake, Texas, the vision is huge. It's hundreds of millions of people that Gateway is supposed to reach in some way. Well, that's not likely to happen in one generation, certainly not going to happen with a founder, more than likely. And so if there's not a plan to fund that in the future, then I think it's a lack of stewardship. So I, I I love the leadership at this church that they looked at that and said, we're not just going to worry about us right now. We're going to worry about what's going to happen 50 years from now and then beyond that. That's really, I think, the biggest benefit is that there's a long-term perspective. Well, as a, as a closing, you mentioned this. You said, you know, we're in this environment of with COVID-19 and how it's impacted our world over the last two, two plus months now. 
How has FBM dealt with that? Obviously, we've been under the social distancing. I know some of the seminars that we had scheduled at our church had to be canceled, the face-to-face seminar, which is preferred. That's how FBM likes to do it in person, because it gives them the opportunity to answer those questions and interact with people, which is really, really uh, part of the benefit. But how has FBM adjusted to that? Are you guys still able to serve people? What does that look like today in this environment? Well, historically, we we have uh, used the in-person seminar, and we would do several a year, typically, for each ministry that uh, is a partner of ours. And then we would come back uh, several weeks later and have uh, face-to-face follow-up appointments with every individual who was interested uh, in participating in this. So it's it's a very been a very hands-on face-to-face uh, uh, activity. Mm-hmm. which came to a screeching halt, uh, of course, with this social distancing. And I know that every ministry uh, that is listening to this right now had to grapple with that uh, in the beginning of April. Fortunately, we had already been working uh, on some alternative methods of delivering our, our seminar and our follow-up appointments. And uh, we just moved it to the front burner there quickly. We had a team at FPM. Uh, of our our uh, our staff who who took this on to be able to offer uh, a live webinar experience of our seminar. We we don't cut any corners, but it's uh, it's sent uh, all members uh, that are going to participate. Pay, click on a link, and uh, at a certain time, and the seminar or the webinar is there. And we have a live Q and A that's available uh, at the end of that webinar, and then they can schedule. Uh, a future appointment with us. Those are usually about, uh, we do it about two to three weeks after uh, the webinar. It, it allows, that allows a, a couple or a family or an individual uh, the opportunity to look through our materials. We have a booklet we call uh, a confidential estate planning guide, which asks all the important questions about uh, the information that needs to go into an estate plan. Mm-hmm. And that takes some thoughtful uh, consideration when you're filling that out. So, but then uh, we have uh, now uh, uh, under the current uh, distancing, we do all those same one-on-one appointments, but we just do them uh, teleconference. Uh, Somebody, uh, generally they're phone appointments, but those who are interested in Zoom video appointments, you're welcome to do that. We can do that as well. But the point is, is that, that, uh, participants now have the option of doing the complete uh, educational uh, seminar, webinar, and then the follow-up appointments. They can do it all uh, from the comfort of their home. Mm. They don't have to have to leave. And uh, then uh, typically approximately 60 days or so after that, uh, we'll be able to deliver their documents back to them, uh, that they'll be able to uh, Uh, sign themselves and uh, their estate plan will be in place and they don't even they don't actually have to leave their home to do that that's great so that's how that's how we're approaching that under the current environment and it's been so well received um, that uh, we're going we will just continue to do this uh, even uh, once this current environment uh, has passed Mm -hmm. and we're able to congregate once again uh, FPM will have both the uh, in-person seminar available. We'll make the live webinar available 
uh, to our partner ministries and their members. And uh, be, by the end of the year, we will also have developed an available and on-demand uh, version of this where you're not scheduling to attend a webinar. They can just go uh, to our website and get the content, uh, complete the documentation, and we'll be able to send it to them. That's great. It just gives you guys the, the opportunity to serve more people, and it's not so much now based on you know, a certain time frame and, and uh, having people have to wait for the next in-person live seminar. So in a way, you have taken lemons and made lemonade. So that's really great. Any last words, Mike? This has been so much fun just to get to know you a little bit more, but also to understand the importance of estate planning. So I hope our listeners have benefited and have a better understanding of how FPM can serve them. But any last words, anything you want to share? Well, I just want to want to say if the idea, the concept of uh, plan giving or estate planning is new to your ministry, I would just in, encourage you to uh, explore it. Uh, we're happy to we we have conversations with ministries all around the country. Many times they contact us. Maybe they contact us a second or third time. Sometimes they'll invite us to uh, have a phone conference with uh, a committee or their board or their their eldership. Uh, we don't rush any ministry into this because we consider it a long-term partnership. Mm -hmm. oh, and particularly because we commit to maintain the documents for our members for a lifetime. And we have over 32,000 families that we have now assisted. And we're able to do that because of the 100 ministry partners who contribute to our work annually. You know, essentially, we're as a nonprofit, we're, we're a mission of stewardship. That's uh, how we consider ourselves. And we're able to do it because of the partnership uh, of the ministries who participate uh, with us. Mm -hmm. And I, I just also like to say, Leo, that uh, I know if somebody is listening to this, they've probably come to the CSN website, they've found you there. And I just want to say we have, uh, uh, really enjoyed and benefited from supporting uh, Christian Stewardship Network uh, for a number of years. And mm -hmm. the work that uh, you and Chris Goulard and uh, Dave Briggs and, and the rest of your leadership team there is, uh, is commendable. And we, we encourage anybody who's in the area of uh, stewardship uh, at their, their local church to, uh, to look into the services that are available and the camaraderie mm -hmm. uh, that you can get in, in uh, attending the annual forum. Uh, the last, last year, I think there were well over 100 ministry, uh, stewardship ministers from around the country mm -hmm. who come there. And uh, uh, the, the thing is, that's so great, Leo, is you, you always have great food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we try, but we like to think the content's a little bit better than the food, but uh, thank you for that. Yeah, our relationship with FBM, speaking on behalf of CSN, has been tremendous because, one, we believe in their vision. Pretty much everyone on our board uses FBM in their own local churches, meaning FBM is serving our members, so we've entrusted them with our members. We believe in the mission of FBM. And they've been uh, incredible supporters for us. So it's been a great partnership, Mike. I, I so appreciate your vision for what you're doing at FBM, but also the way you invest in stewardship in the body of Christ. Uh, you're, you're doing more than just serving individuals. You're serving and helping uh, 
create a path for people to understand how important this part of their stewardship is. Um, so keeping that focus is in line with our our love for what we do and our beliefs and our passion. So thank you for being part of that with us. And thanks for taking the time to be uh, on this podcast today. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for taking the time. My pleasure, Leo. Thank yeah. you. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for the Stewardship Leader Podcast. To learn more about financial planning ministry and how they can serve your congregation, you can go to fpm.org. They have a new website that has a ton of information. There's even a Q&A section there so that you can send your members to so they can become more aware and understand what financial planning is all about. But really would love for you to connect with them and, and have a conversation with one of these consultants, with Mike, with Clay, the vice president, and let them show you how this ministry might serve you and your members, not only today, but for many years to come. Well, until next time, remember, God has called you to be the best steward you can be. So be that faithful steward, but go one step further. Teach others to do the same.